0: Monday, the 14th day of December, yeah, 10 shopping days left, uh, welcome to All Marine Radio, um, Alex Holling is going to join us today, and then tomorrow you're going to hear from uh, Ken and Betty Rogers, they have a new documentary Called I Married the War. And uh, so you're going to hear from them tomorrow. And then. I played some audio last week. From a guy who turns out. His name is Carlos Zapata. They mislabeled his name in the video. Nice work. Um, Anyway, but he talks about how fed up everybody is, right? Everybody recall that? If you didn't, I think. If you click on the, uh, in fact, I, I won't have to say if you, I think, but if you click on the um, podcast from Friday, yeah, if you do that, you're going to find that, uh, let me get to my website, hold on, Um, podcasts, here we go. And on Friday, in hour one, yeah, they They If you watch the video, um, if you watch that, then um, you will see Carlos Zapata. So I start looking for this guy. And I start looking him up on Facebook. Once I find his right name. And then I find him. Guy lives up in Northern California, near Red Bluff. And it says, You have two mutual friends. I was like, What what is going on? Um so Yeah. So I check it out and, uh, I shoot him a note. Hey man, we have mutual friends. I do this thing called Marine Radio, ran across your appearance before the Shasta County commissioners want to come on and talk about it. I'd love to. So, uh, hopefully by Wednesday, uh, Carlos and I can get our act together and, and, We'll talk to him about what he's gone through uh infa- i believe he's infantry officer in the marine corps uh although I'm not sure about that uh and uh saw a picture of him in Iraq i believe as a first lieutenant so uh <laughs> so it's like holy shit, holy shit um uh in a whole bunch of news since Friday, right? The Supreme Court rules that they will not hear the president's challenge and Texas's specifically, Texas's challenge to the election, um, I believe, which renders all else moot, right? The irony of the president who's, you know, who appointed, what, three different Supreme Court judges, um, I don't think lost on anybody who pays attention, so... So much for packing the court, eh? Right? And that whole narrative that got floated on everybody. Um, So, anyhow, um, I'm not sure that will be the end of this. But, uh, and again, uh, to me, um, and then there's discussion that the president would appoint a special prosecutor. My take on all of it is um, I want to know what happened right how how did we see cuz when you read what statistics people say what they're saying is that the probability of this happening is very low so what did happen so what are the footnotes between these low pro, for these low probability outcomes you know what percentage of ballots got cast by mail, and all of a sudden there's there, we go from a 1% rejection rate to a 0.03 rejection rate. It's, explain that for me. Explain how all the write-in votes skew so dramatically to one candidate. So mathematically explain that to me explain to me how many signatures did not match can you do that and then i think the country again needs to needs to have a discussion about about you know the sanctity of elections and let me tell you whenever whenever you have that discussion what it comes down to is oh you want to disenfranchise people no i don't but in in some states i think the election laws have become ridiculous And there's there, there's a line that I don't think is a fine line between opening up a door in which I, I saw a poll that said eighty percent of conservatives in the country that were polled believe that the result of the election was not legitimate. That's a big number. And I wish I could I wish I could quote the study more, but I just saw it in passing. Let's just say the number's anywhere close to that. That say, let let me put it to you this way. I don't believe the outcome of the election is legitimate. I'll just say that. And then asking people, would you agree with that? So when you have that many people in the country saying that, not that they disagree with the le- the electoral college system cuz again i don't know that we have a united states of america if you don't have the electoral college system why would any of the colonies right the smaller colonies why would south carolina connecticut rhode island why would they why would they put into a system when they didn't have to they could have been independent states why would they put it in into a system that doesn't preserve their integrity and doesn't account for them in the system. If all it is is popular vote, why have a bike, why have a senate? Why not just have a house? And then the major population centers of the country will decide everything. So I so when so again, when people say, "Oh, I disagree with the Electoral College," then you disagree with the founding of the nation. And you don't live in a small state. You obviously are part of the majority. But that's not how the nation was founded. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the sanctity of the election. So to me, you know, I would like to see somebody look into Pennsylvania, what they did. Somebody look into Georgia, what happened down there. Wisconsin, what happened there. And what are the footnotes relative to all these mail-in ballots? Mathematically, right? what level of improbability is going to be assigned to this? And if it's pretty high, which some of the statisticians I've seen have said, then somebody needs to explain that. And then on the backside of those lessons learned, there needs to be enacted legislation, unless you're just worried about stealing elections, that deals with the sanctity of election. So I hope that's where this goes right um it won't go there in the short term though because donald trump's involved in it and so he will do what he does which is burn it down All right i don't expect that he will attend the, the inauguration although that's not fathomable uh to me that a president a sitting president would not um would not attend the inauguration so um but i i will tell you this uh if he doesn't uh, I won't, uh, although I should, I wouldn't. The campaign against that guy started the second of his improbable election. Accusations didn't have any of the credibility that the accusations that were leveled against Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and his brother whatever Biden, John Biden, Jack Biden, whatever that guy's name is, um, they didn't have anywhere near the credibility of those charges. Got turned into an FBI investigation. All kinds of, in my opinion, uh, improper and, and illegal stuff happened. The media has been on a quest to get that guy defeated. And now you see what I think a lot of people say is I'm not really sure what happened there, but I don't think it was legitimate. So from the time, right, from the time he starts to the time he ends, because of his bedside manner, people treat him with the back of their hand. So, I mean, I don't know that I would say, hey, you know, all that guy has, has had happen to him. Partly by his own fault. By the way, he, he acts is, um, I she's been treated worse than poor. Right, and you have the American media for the first time I think in American history take a side publicly take a side in the election. You have big technology taking a side, and let me tell you, I think, um, big technology and big social media. Uh, there's an agenda there, and it has to do with China. That's Wall Street's agenda, too. Not overtly stated, though. But Donald Trump's standing in the way of more profits coming out of China. That gets to, that gets to people's bottom line, and that's a lot of money. And so the quicker we can get his ass out of there and get back to normal, get this relationship with China on some kind of civilized track, and then we could begin doing business there again and, 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 and reap the, the benefits, right? Wall Street, big tech, big social media, the NBA, all lined up in that queue saying, yeah, we want to get our money. Because after all, none of them are in the business of exporting American values. And, uh, and they will all do so at the peril of the nation and the, at the peril of the rules-based order. That they have made trillions and trillions of dollars uh, exploiting, yeah, that environment. So the irony of ironies. Uh, I wanted to share with you though some numbers. You know, um, Will Costantini sent a link, and it's from the Sentinel of Kansas City, Missouri. No, I don't know. This is a website that professes to uh, hold the media and the government accountable. Our story. The Sentinel is an online 501c3 nonprofit news service. We began publishing in January of 2017. It's a wholly owned subsidiary of the Kansas Policy Institute. We hold government and mainstream media accountable for providing complete, accurate, and unbiased information so that citizens can make their own decisions on matters of public policy. Our efforts are primarily focused on state and local government in Kansas. Our, appro- our approach. In addition to original reporting, the Sentinel examines statements from state and local government officials and mainstream media outlets providing supplemental information so that readers are able to make their own informed decisions about matters of public policy. Our reporters are particularly looking for accuracy. Are the facts accurate and independently verified? Wow. <laughs> this sounds like, like an organization near and dear to my heart, right? Full context. Are stories presented in appropriate context? Has readily available information been included that disputes claims by one of the parties? For example, claims that funding is being cut when in fact funding is just not growing as fast as some prefer. Bias. If you, if viewpoints are included, are opposing viewpoints given equal consideration? Are reporters injecting their own viewpoint into the story? Okay, so Sounds pretty good, right? Uh, Here's the headline in the story. In the pandemic's ninth month, Governor Kelly, who's the governor of Kansas, turns the focus to nursing homes. And so let me read to you the data. Okay? In the state of Kansas, cases Right. Deaths and survival rates. So this is for the state of Kansas. I'm just using, I'm picking on Kansas because I saw this article and it's 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 data that you don't see very often. Right. I mean, the data that consumes people is the data uh, about cases exploding. And so even though restaurants aren't, aren't designated as a major spreader restaurants are closed and people are losing everything they've worked for in their life. And that was the basis of of Carlos Zapata's um his appearance before the Shasta County Commission. And it's people like Gavin Newsom, all these you know, these people that uh that they're getting their full salary. It's no skin off their ass. Okay, and then people are saying, look, the science isn't even there. There is no cause and effect. So I think I think what Will sent me is is illustrates it, right? Um so in the state of Kansas, they have had a hundred and seventy nine thousand eight hundred and three cases. in their senior, well, hold on, I believe that's total, All right. They've had 8,523 cases in senior living facilities. All right, the survival rate in senior living facilities is 89.8. So essentially 90%. The survival of everybody else is 99% in Kansas. So the the article says this. uh, Television station KDHE reports 478 clusters in Kansas nursing homes as of December 9th since the start of the pandemic. Long-term care facilities account for 8,523 COVID cases in Kansas, 723 hospitalizations, and 873 deaths. About 45% of all deaths attributed to COVID in the state occurred in long-term care facilities. The survival rate there is 90%. The survival rate outside of long-term care facilities is 99.4%. article goes on to say most counties don't publish this data. The survival rate in, and they, they talk about one specific county, which I'm not really interested in, And so it's just, uh, when you look at that data, it's pretty amazing stuff, right? Pretty amazing stuff that, that senior living facilities have a 90% rate of survival and everybody else has a 99% rate of survival. So what are we doing? Um, And that's when you can see that I I saw a report in California, uh, dining is number five on the list and is believed to have accounted for 1.5% of the cases. Well, why are we shutting down the restaurant? Why are you putting them out of business? So, anyway, um, it doesn't make (laughs) It does not make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, f- pretty fired up today. Going to go down to Marine Corps Air Station Miramar um, tomorrow and do post-traumatic winning. So, fired up to be with 3rd Marine Air Wing down there. Been down with the, there before. And uh, and I'm excited. Um, their chief of staff is was the 14-year-old son of Uh, my battalion commander in 1985, Marty Steele. And uh, he was a tanker. It was the first commanding officer of first light armored vehicle battalion, LAV battalion when it stood up and his son, David was 14. When I met him, Uh, we served in Afghanistan together. So we're battle buddies. And, uh, he saw this back at the commander's course, uh, a year or two ago. And, uh, and so I'm uh, going to go down and do this for them. So fired up. And then the following week, do it for 1.5. Uh, so uh, so I'm, uh, I'm excited. The other thing I'm excited about is I'm reaching the final stages, of getting ready to produce another version of, uh, of Post-Traumatic Winning, um, a better version of it uh, on video. The last things I'm messing with are the, are the audio and um and getting the audio where i want it to be so i've got the video and the lighting and all that seems to be good um, but uh, the um the audio which i'm pretty finicky about because i'm an audio guy is uh is is just it's the nuances of uh which microphone and depending on which microphone you use you have different issues so shotgun microphone so if you if you if you notice when people are outside and you see a shot of them you'll see those microphones and they're on uh they're on some kind of a pole if you will normally those are called shotgun microphones and um what a shotgun microphone does is if you think about that microphone as a gun and that has a barrel, yeah, think about the microphone like that. There are some microphones that collect, right, from, you know, if you look at the out, coming out of the barrel, they'll collect like 180 degrees. Well, a shotgun microphone um, out of the barrel has a very, very reduced collection focus And that is the area directly in front of the microphone, right? So it doesn't collect 180, it collects maybe 30 degrees, right? So in an arc of 30 degrees in front of the microphone. Now, what happens though is you're going to get more ambient noise in there. And so either you have to find, you have to reduce the ambient noise by creating a soundproof room. And that, and so this is video, right, as opposed to me sitting here doing radio this morning. Maybe more than you want to know about this, but whatever. Um, so to me, I can do this with the headset on, the mic right in front of my mouth, and it doesn't matter how it looks. Well, when you're shooting video, if you have a mic, right, and you're lighting the thing, there's a shadow that exists relative to the mic on your face, blah, blah, that's not supposed to be there. I know. I know. So, so then it's okay. So you can, you can then try to eliminate the shadow by using different lighting or um, you can use the shotgun and you can do, do some noise reduction stuff. So uh, we're down there. (laughs) So I'm in the final stages of that. Uh, And I soundproof to the, to the greatest extent that I could soundproof the, uh, my studio. And uh, so uh, I'll make a decision on the audio today, and then we'll start shooting that later this week. The other thing I'm excited about is for everybody out there, uh, stand by on an announcement for us doing a Zoom call. And if you want to be a part of it, all you're going to have to do is like, uh, you know, take the Zoom link. It'll be put up. Anybody can join that that wants to, and um, or whatever or whatever platform at the end of the day we decide to use. Um, and hop on and you can talk about, you know, you can talk about post-traumatic wing And so, um, no, I just think it's all the different people I met, the, the amount of isolation that's out there, the amount of people that are struggling, the stories that you're reading, especially of young people, of young people. So, uh, so, uh, uh, going to work on that. Getting that going this week, so um, no busy, exciting week, and Christmas is coming up. So uh, actually, Colleen and I we're out doing some, um, doing some Christmas buying. I'm not a big Christmas shopper. In fact, I was talking to a guy yesterday, and he says you're like me. Um, he said you're like me. You you're a Christmas buyer, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't mess around with that stuff, right? I think I know what I want, and uh, and then I go get it. So anyway, um, yeah, but no, we had a good time yesterday, um, out buying, and um, you know it's it it is amazing. Think about it. So we're, we're at what would be one of the busiest malls in Southern California, South Coast Plaza. And, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of people there. I mean, there was people there, but not nearly, you know, what it would be, just the amount of dollars, all that money going to online companies. Amazon is, you know, can't s- Amazon, you know, I'm sure could not fathom how fast they're reaching goals that were probably goals set for later on this, this decade as the rate of online transactions goes up, but it's amazing, right? I mean, something that has been such a big part of our lives, uh, all of a sudden not there and the financial impact of all of it. So, um, that's interesting. The, um, and with the vaccine rolling out, so the vaccine rolls out, right? And then hopefully by the end of the week, we're going to have a second vaccine rollout. The, the Pfizer vaccine is a relatively fragile vaccine and has to be kept at what 80 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. And not everybody has that capability. So the thought is that that will go to places that have that kind of capability. Who has that? Hospitals, right? So, hospital workers, long term care facilities, people that have storage facilities that are used to storing medications that have those kind of capabilities. So, um, and then as, as that second, is it the Moderna, uh, one, uh, doesn't have to be stored at that temperature that that can be vectored to other places. But once you get the most vulnerable inoculated and everybody else has a 99% chance of survival, what are we doing? What's next? Right. What's next? So, you know, and again, there's going to be, there's like a third of the population that says, yeah, I, I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to get that vaccine. So, um, so it'll be interesting. And then the next question, how fast do we get back to some semblance of no- normal kids in school, right? Teachers vaccinated, the at-risk population vaccinated, What? Where, and then a survival rate of 99% for everybody else. So um, hopefully right there's uh, there's better days on the not-too-far horizon um, in, in what has been really uh, in many ways for a lot of people a challenging year and a lost year in their lives. Uh, one in which uh, a lot of women have left the workplace because they have to stay home and care for kids. A lot of people in the restaurant and bar business have lost their businesses. And then uh, when when... We do get back, which hopefully will be in the next uh, less than six months to some semblance of normal as the most vulnerable among us get vaccinated. Uh, Do people continue to work at home? I venture to say that you're not going to see for a lot of businesses them go back to showing up every day at work you're going to see that they know how to they know how to do that and whether you're doing it from at home or whether you're doing it here doesn't really uh doesn't really make a difference doesn't really make a difference one of the other things that's going to come out of this is is kind of an interesting thing you know i think the performance um um and i was talking about this last week but you know you had you know, Dr. Fauci, who everybody believes the sun rises and sets in his ass, has been saying that you know the you know the winter is going to be worse. We had this huge, huge move afoot to create additional bed spaces in the spring, and then once that kind of didn't pan out, did anybody say that? Well, what if, what if he's right, and what if by all accounts? you know, during flu season, because, you know, the flu spreads human to human, right? What happens if this does the same thing and we see another increase as more people go indoors, blah, 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 blah. Nobody, uh, to me, I see that as one of the great failings of all of this. That that swing space, that surge capacity was not recreated or was not left standing just in case. And so, because there's no surge capacity for ICU beds and things like that, you know, for the, you know, the mercy and the comfort, they're back in their home porch doing nothing. So, and then all the, all the hospital places that were constructed were disassembled because they didn't get used. Because there's none of that. The course of action is, yeah. We can't handle it, so we're gonna shut business down in my opinion, you talk about a failing a failure of government when the survival rate's ninety nine percent i you know so in the post mortem to me that's that's one of the great failings is that if that guy's right right how much surge capacity might we need? And where are we going to put that? Because the the course of action that isn't going to be followed is we're not going to shut down the nation when the survival rate is ninety ninety nine percent. The um, Mac, would you put that in your first hour post? Yeah, I'll put the link here. And again. Uh, you're going to see a a website that you're probably not familiar with. I'd encourage you, click on the about, right? (laughs) Click on the about, and you're going to read what news should be about, which is pretty cool. And again, in the state of Kansas, there's a 90% Rate of survival. All other cases and ninety nine point four cases survival. So to me, when I when I watch the craziness that's going on, you know, there's a couple different approaches. So as you as you war game this, so and you're sitting there during the summer, and you're contemplating, what do we do with our surge capacity that we built? Well, everybody tells us, our, all of our epidemiologists tell us. That this is going to stay with us, and then we, when we all go inside, right? It's going to it's spike as flu season does. Okay, so let's just assume worst case. Let's assume that happens. What do we do? Well, when somebody says we'll shut everything down, like if I'm the mayor or the governor, like that's not happening. Look, we know that there are certain population centers that are most at risk, right? Right. Okay. So we have to protect them. We know that, right? Right. Everybody else, the survival rate continues to stay at 99%. So I think if we're doing what we're supposed to do, we can't shut down the economy. We've got to create surge capacity and have additional ICU beds so that we can accommodate that. Because people got to work. I mean, to me, that makes sense, right? Shut down the economy. Good one. So anyway, and then what's going to happen is is now what? Well, everybody's going to need to be bailed out, of course. So once again, you'll pay for their stupidity. So on that positive note, good morning to you on a Monday. Uh, fired up about the week. And uh, the United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. We'll check some news headlines. Alex Holland is going to join us. Good morning, you. <laughs> Dedicated to a Marine who reached out for me to reach out to me um yesterday while I was putting gas in my car um, right do all the swiping and punching and all that, pumping gas into my car, and I looked down at my phone, you got an email. I looked from marine I sat through your i thought I sat through your class uh, a month ago. And um, we just had a family tragedy where I lost my older sister and her husband. And can you help me? I've never seen my parents like this, you know, and, and whatnot. So it's dedicated to a, a Marine who's trying to help his family. And um, I just want you to know that uh, that it doesn't happen overnight. Um, the first thing you convincing them, them of is everything they're going through is normal. Uh, there's nothing wrong with them. And if you can convince them not to be afraid to talk about it, that's the biggest step, right? Uh, you're not going to get over it ever. You have to talk about it. And if, if you armed with that knowledge, right, um, you can walk out of the valley of the shadow of death. I know that. So, this is dedicated to that Marine. God bless you. <laughs>
2: Challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win.
0: Time for us to check-in weather here, and Alex Holland is going to join us here at the top of the hour. The um currently in Quantico, raining in 42, just south of the nation's capital, down the coast. Marine Corps base Camp Lejeune. Nice. Partly sunny and 69 degrees on the Carolina coast. In the high desert of California, it is as opposed to the low desert, just so you know. Uh, like Death Valley. This is the high desert up in the mountains. And the plateau above Palm Springs. Um, sunny and 52 at Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton. I'm sorry, 29 Palms. At Camp Pendleton, it is cloudy in 51. At Camp Smith in Hawaii, it is dark, cloudy and 75. Okinawa, dark, raining in 59. Down under in Darwin, where it's always warmer, it is dark, cloudy, and 79 degrees. And in Oslo, Norway, it is evening, raining, and 36 degrees. At the home of Auburn Radio, it is mostly cloudy, 57 degrees, looking for a high of 67 today, 70 tomorrow, That would be Tuesday, 70 on Wednesday, 63 on Thursday, and 70 on Friday. So uh, mild weather here in Southern California. That's right. Uh, That's why we live here, just so you know. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll check news headlines. As I said, Alex Holling is going to join us in about 15 minutes. So whatever you do, don't touch that dial. More of All Marine Radio coming up next.
1: We used to get together every week. She's been home from her last
0: deployment for months now, and I haven't seen her once. He's just been different since he got back from Iraq. One minute he's ready to go, and the next he doesn't want anyone around.
2: The nightmares are back and seem to be getting worse. Shouldn't he be sleeping better after all these years? A lot of people don't understand what veterans go through during their service or when they come back. And that's okay, but everyone can help. You can make a difference in the life of a veteran. You stood by us when we were in uniform. So stand by us now. Like my brother did, when he wouldn't take no for an answer. Like my wife did, when she asked the right questions. Like my friend did, when she made the call. Take a stand for those who served our country. If you're a veteran in crisis, or no one who is, the confidential Veterans Crisis Line is here for you. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat at VeteransCrisisLine.net or text 838-255. America's service members and veterans are strong, forged out of bravery, sacrifice, and duty. They are diverse, unique, from all corners of the country, and thanks to their common experience, a family for life. But whether they served in lands far away or communities close to home, some of these men and women may face difficult times or even crisis. But sometimes, reaching out for help can be the most challenging and worthwhile mission of all for veterans, service members, Reserve, and National Guard. Thankfully, friends, family, and communities are standing by their service members and veterans now more than ever. We're all in this together. When you recognize something isn't right, make the call to the Veterans Crisis Line or Military Crisis Line. During times of crisis, reach out and call. Dial 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or chat online at veteranscrisisline.net or text 838-255.
0: We all share a common journey. We wanted to serve our country, stand for something bigger than ourselves, and protect the things we love. Although we were ready to face any mission, help those in need... And make a difference. For some of us, coming home was more of a challenge than we expected. In the service, we had each other's backs. But as veterans, it can sometimes feel like we're all alone. Even when surrounded by our loved ones.
2: If you're a veteran or service member in crisis, or know one who is, call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat at veteranscrisisline.net or text 838255.
0: America's injured and critically ill service members face incredible challenges every day of their lives. Since 2004, the Simper Fi Fund has helped thousands of service members and their families with both immediate and long term needs. Join the Simper Fi Fund in supporting American heroes. They've given so much. Now it's our turn. Learn how your tax deductible donation makes a real difference in their lives at simperfifund.org. Hi,
1: I'm Colleen McNamara. And you're listening to My Dad on All-Marine Radio on the All-Warrior Radio Network.
0: You an email, to Mac. Thanks for framing the issue of the public response this morning. haven't heard it framed like that but i've as i've sat here working from home thinking when you're in that planning event and we've already kind of done the chicken little thing don't you think that the public health officials and the medical people in the community should have sat down and talked about what you call surge capacity, for the fall winter, when you're right, everybody predicted that this would go up, it seems pretty common sense to me. But as I sat here thinking about sitting in a meeting where that would be discussed, I would imagine at some point, somebody would have said, so if we don't do that, and these cases push our capacity, what will be our response? And everybody looks around the room. Chief of staff sitting there. The mayor, the governor, whoever the hell we're working for sitting there. And then... Somebody says, well, we would go down the same road of shutting things down like we did before. And then at some point, somebody should say, yeah, that's not going to happen, right? That ain't happening. We're not going to shut the state down. We're not going to shut the city down. We're not going to shut the county down. So you guys owe me your best estimate because this is going to cost money in terms of a facility that we need, right, ICU swing space, what we will do and a plan of action, no more elective surgery. We're going to convert the third floor and the fourth floor into, right? And then general patient stuff is going to go here and here. And our swing space will accommodate general patient stuff, right? The hospital will be used to convert more floors to ICU beds or whatever. I don't mean, I don't know what the fucking plan is but I know, I know this with the survival rate of 99%, you know, shutting down, you know, nobody going to school, shutting down the uh shutting down the economy with everything that entails. I mean, come on. I just think on I think on a lot of different fronts this has been a colossal public health failure. A colossal public health failure. You know, the failure, you know, I just had a friend tell me this. Uh, Mother-in-law has COVID in an assistant living facility. 92 years old, broke her hip. Now she's tested positive for COVID. My question, was she in a facility or in her own place? She's in a facility. The virus there has been traced to a worker. From Bob Nielsen, the surge capacity hospitals Turner built last spring at Stony Brook and others have not been disassembled or removed. They are being prepared to reopen if needed. Turner built a number of them well, you know evidently not having enough of an impact because we're shutting the economy down i I just again i i I look at it and 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 I see. Uh, what turns out to be a Marine officer at the root of it saying, we can't do this. Right. Our families are starving. We're losing everything we had and you're sitting there. Right. getting Pulling your full salary while some of us pay for the brunt of this because you didn't do the right thing. So I don't know. I think it will be when the postmortem is all said and done. Uh, and again, I don't think any of this is, is genius-level stuff. You don't need to be a Mensa to do this. Yeah, you don't need to come on on Thursday, be one of those guys to, to do this. I think it is the prudent steps a community would take. And I don't know. I just, I don't know. This stuff seems to be too hard for us. Um, top story in in Stars and Stripes, is Marine Corps to let armor Marines out early as it prepares for a tankless future. Um, I saw a story that the Navy is going to purchase 10 of these light amphibious ships. I thought the number was 20. 10 light amphibious ships that would each accommodate 75 Marines. That's seven. That's a, that's a a battalion on these ships. What the fuck is everybody else doing? That's not going to be guarding a, a a rocket site in the South China Sea. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Um, three days into his first deployment, Airman Apprentice Ethan Garrett Goolsby. Went missing from the USS Theodore Roosevelt. The post says, kind heart, warm sense of humor. He was lost overboard, and the Navy has called off the the search for him. Next story is, relieved U.S. health workers start getting COVID-19 vaccines. And there's a huge story across the country. Russian government spies are behind the hacking hacking campaign that breached U.S. agencies and a top cyber firm. Yeah, so you can see this story all over the place. Um, From uh, the Wall Street Journal, top headlines there. First COVID-19 vaccine is given to the public. In the largest public vaccination program since the 1950s and polio. Our next story Google outage, royals, businesses, and schools. <laughs> it is equivalent to the new snow day. Yeah, Google's down. We can't function. Um,. So that in the the uh, Wall Street Journal, USNI News. Here's an email. I don't get it then. If there is surge capacity, why are we shutting down the economy? I've seen the same data. That restaurants are at the bottom of what spreads COVID. So what the hell? Yeah, I mean... Look, I <laughs> uh, I don't understand. Uh top story USNI news is the search ends for a missing USS Theodore Roosevelt sailor. You know, I lived on an aircraft carrier for a couple years. I don't know how you fall off one. It's not easy. You know the the I don't know if there's I, I there hasn't been any statement released on how it happened. Right to me the the only legitimate ones really are if you're on the flight deck and something turns and you're not paying attention and the jet wash blows you off the side of it other than that between the catwalks and the way it is I I it's not easy you have to be doing something that you're not supposed to be doing obviously um Waiting to see whether the president will sign uh, the National Defense Authorization Act that was forwarded to him by the Senate. So that's in the news. The um, Marine Corps Times top story in Marine Corps Times is quarter shrink by five thousand Marines under a defense compromise bill. Everything I hear, the Corps will shrink a lot more than that, right? In an effort to hopefully pay for, uh, hopefully pay for some of the things the Marine Corps wants to buy. Another big story that has made the rounds since late last week is a veterans group calling for the secretary of the VA's ouster, uh, following a damning report about his handling of sexual harassment and sexual assault allegations at a department hospital. A day after the Veterans Affairs Inspector General blasted VA Secretary Robert Wilkie for his handling of a sexual assault allegation at a department hospital, most of the country's major veterans organizations called for his immediate firing citing a lack of confidence in his leadership. Quote, Secretary Wilkins and several other members of his executive staff violated the trust of a fellow veteran who came forth with serious allegations of sexual assault, VFW's executive director B.J. Lawrence said in a statement Friday night. Instead of taking this veteran's allegations seriously, the secretary and key staff sought to discredit and vilify the veteran. We will not tolerate this behavior at RVA. So, uh, that is that story, um, has, uh, has made the rounds and then the top five stories in early bird and then Alex is going to join us here. See what Alex is up to, um, number one, Senate sends massive defense bill to the president. We talked about that or at least touched on it Two major veteran groups call for VA Secretary's ouster. Talked about that. Number three, Army General says COVID-19 vaccines will begin arriving across the country as early as Monday. That's part of Operation Warp Speed. No doubt you've seen the video, right? Everybody paying very close attention to that. 2020 saw the National Guard used the most since World War Two. Is a retention crisis looming? What do you mean? because we use the guard everybody's going to quit that's in army times number 5 army beats navy 15 to nothing at uh, Mitchie Stadium I saw uh, when I went up and spoke at West Point in 1991 they were playing Harvard and um, the game was at West Point pretty cool right on campus and all that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a small stadium, not a, not a giant stadium there. And so it, uh, it was cool. Casper Weinberger was there. his honored at halftime. And so, uh, so they, uh, Army beat Navy at Mitchie stadium at West point. So, uh, so pretty cool stuff. That in the news. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Alex Hollings, uh, will join us next. So whatever you do, Alex, always an interesting interview. So don't touch that dial. More of uh, All-Marine Radio coming up next right here on your home for it. The one and only All-Warrior Radio Network.